Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Good morning, 1030. Come on, can we just give it up for the worship team this morning? So grateful to have Pastor Kanan Baca all the way from Seattle with us this weekend. Give it up for him one more time. Thank you, bro, for being here. And listen, I, we do this every week, but we're going to do it because we want to love and honor our online part of our church. Can we give it up for everyone watching online this morning? Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us online. And hey, if you're in the room, I, I believe God has been doing something significant this weekend. I don't know if you felt it just coming in the building. Like, like there's the presence of God is resting in this place. There's some good stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Anyone, like good church, you know what I'm saying? That's what was happening this weekend. And so do me a favor, go on your Facebook, your, your YouTube, whatever you need to do, and just share our online service right now. Jump on your phone, share this service. I want people to experience what God is doing here in Lathrop and what God's doing at our church. So if you would be so kind to share the service today, that would be great. And I'm not going to keep going. Uh, so excited for what is going to happen today. Uh, we have Pastor Corey Russell from Upper Room with us this morning. <laughs> Preached yesterday. Shout out to Pastor Matt and the entire team for running an incredible conference, incredible conference. And, and it was just so powerful to see young people from all over Northern California go after Jesus. It was really, really special. And so this morning we have the privilege of having Pastor Corey. And I said this uh, first service and I'll say it again. He has been a voice in my life since I was a young person. I remember being 16 years old, putting my headphones in at Manteca High School, listening to sermons instead of my teacher. Don't do that. But I did. And I just am so grateful for him to be a voice, a prophetic voice in my life. Uh, I, I am here on this stage partially because of you and what you've done, Pastor Corey. I'm so grateful for you. And, I, and earlier this year, we hung out a little bit, and I asked him, hey, Pastor Corey, you have been a voice in my life. Can you, can you do me a favor and be a voice to our church as well in this next season? And he was so gracious to be here and jump all in. So do me a favor. Stand to your feet. Come on, everybody in the house. Stand to your feet. And let's give a huge welcome to Corey Russell as he brings the word this morning. All right, grab a seat, grab a seat. Oh, man, we had a phenomenal conference, youth conference. Any kids that came to the conference, raise your hand. Where you at? Come on. Just want to honor the team, and it was beautiful last night, what God's done here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 10, Luke 10. Clock says I got 22 hours, 58 minutes to preach to you this morning, so I got some things on my heart, so just go ahead and camp out. Um, <laughs> that was my first joke. I got three more. I'll tell you when they are. Lord, bless the word, and may the Raiders win today. Amen. Come on. I love the loyalty. Man, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. All right. Um, just a touch about me, and then we're going to jump into... Uh, my hero in the Bible outside of Jesus, all right? Um, I'm, uh, you're going to hear a, an accent. It's from Arkansas, and so that's what it is. I got born and raised in northwest Arkansas, got radically saved in 1997, a strung-out drug addict, hit by the power of God in 1997, saw a move of God, hit our small town, 
and I got this holy addiction for prayer. And uh, I just wanted to be around the mama intercessors. And I'm a 20-year-old freak right out of the world, and I was into prayer at, uh, uh, whatever, 20 years old. I married my wife. We've been married 24 years. We got married 98. We had our first daughter, 99. And then we moved to Kansas City to join the International House of Prayer in December of 2000, where we would spend the next 18, 19 years serving at the House of Prayer there. We then moved to Dallas about three and a half years ago, and then for the last month, we've been in Denver. So it's been a wild ride. We got three daughters. One's almost 23. We got a 19-year-old and a 12-year-old, all girls. Pray for your brother. And so can we put the, uh, the QR code up here for my wedding fund? Come on, throw, throw it up here. Throw it up here. <laughs> Have that ready for next session. Okay, okay, okay. Um, anyway, so, yeah, I, um, I, I, I love prayer. I've given my life to it, and I want to connect people to God. That's why I exist. That's what I want to be about. We've just moved to Denver with a handful of young people, and we're building a prayer room in the heart of a local church and I believe that the days of Sunday-only Christianity are over. Jesus didn't die for 45 minutes and 20 bucks. All right, that's a little dagger there for you. It's a little, little shank there in the courtyard. Um. <laughs> All right, every service I'll get a little bit more loopy. All right. People ask me all the time, outside of Jesus, who has impacted your life the most? And I would say, outside of Jesus, most people might say David or Elijah or Moses or one of the prophets, one of the apostles, John, Paul, one of them. I'm not kidding when I say this, that the person outside of Jesus that has impacted my life, ministry, and what I'm about more than anybody outside of Jesus is a little girl by the name of Mary of Bethany. And I want to talk to you about this girl this morning, and I believe it's going to help you and strengthen you in your own walk with the Lord. All right, so we're going to look at three pictures of her through the Gospels. She only said one phrase in the Bible, and it was, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Okay, that's the only phrase she said in the Bible. The first time we see her, she's doing something, and Jesus defends her, and then the last time she's doing something... And Jesus defends her. I want you to look with me in Luke 10 right here. Let's look at this. All right? Everybody got your Bibles? You're like, no, it's on the screen. <laughs> I'm reading New King James. All right? Hopefully this is New King James. All right. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha. Oh, no, yeah, that, that ain't New King James. I'm going to read it from my Bible. You know, when you know a Bible in a certain way, this is how you read it. All right. All right, let's go, let's go. And she had a, a verse 38. It happened as they, um, as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Okay? Everybody say distracted. distracted. Say much serving. Okay, and she approached Jesus. All right, she's bold. Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to serve alone? Tell her to get off her lazy behind and help me. Now, that's the Corey King James Version there. And Jesus looked at her and said, oh, honey, I love you. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many 
things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, and it will not be taken away from her. Yeah. And so Jesus comes into this little town of Bethany about two miles away from Jerusalem. He comes in. Jesus is the rock star. He's the prophet who is bringing the kingdom of heaven to the whole region, and he's coming to this house. And Martha, the older sister, we're going to find out there's another sibling in the story, in the next story, Lazarus. But in this story, Martha, as the older sister, welcomes him into her house and immediately gets to work, immediately begins to prepare a meal, begins to prepare something for Jesus and the disciples and most likely people that were coming with them. But Mary does something revolutionary, groundbreaking, breaking tons of societal norms, cultural norms, and expectations from sister. She says, the Son of God is in my house. I cannot waste this moment by just being busy around him. I need to sit at his feet and hear his word. Now, some of you have maybe heard this message before, and you're like, oh, Lord, here we go. Going to beat up the Marthas. I want to say I'm grateful for green rooms. I'm grateful for meals. I'm grateful for people that pick me up at the airport. I'm grateful for people that serve in the church. I'm grateful for faithful ushers and parkers and children and all the different things that cause this thing to come to pass. It's beautiful. It's not about Mary versus Martha. Okay, I want you to understand that. It's not about, well, he, she likes praying more. She's a Mary. I'm more of a Martha. It's not about Mary versus Martha. It's about Mary before Martha. It's about Mary before Martha and that when you prioritize, it's about this. Where do you get your primary source of identity? That's the core reality. Where do you get your primary source of identity and have you learned how to prioritize? This is my question to you. Have you learned how to prioritize a time and a place every day that no amount of opportunity can talk you out of, nor amount of difficulty can get you out of. To sit at his feet and don't inundate him with all of your words, but you let his words impact you. I want you to know, prayer is not you talking all the time. Some of you need to rip up your prayer list. Some of you need to begin to shift your prayer times from just talking into listening. And I believe that prayer begins with getting pregnant with God's words. And when you get filled with God's words, they become your words and they move his heart. And most of us never set long enough to let his words penetrate and to uh, encounter us that we never get pregnant with the will of heaven because we're so busy. It's not about Mary versus Martha. It's about Mary before Martha. Mary does something revolutionary. She says this. The, the four words about Martha in the story, distracted, busy, worried, and troubled. I will, I will submit to you, I believe those are the four greatest enemies confronting the church in America. Distraction, busyness, worry, and anxiety. Those are your four greatest enemies, not what's happening in D.C., the greatest enemies of your soul is the level of distraction that's available. The busyness, the worry, the anxiety that crowds our souls and we're so busy running around 
We have lost the art of long and loving devotion at the feet of Jesus. I want to call every one of you to the feet of Jesus. I want to call every one of you to the feet of Jesus and let his words define you. Let his words wash you. Let his words break the lies that says you're only successful based on your bank account. That says you're only impactful to the degree of how many followers you have or how many people are liking your content. You are not primarily identified by how much money, how many people, and how many followers. You are primarily identified by what the Father says over you. Because we have a thousand voices saying, no, it's based on how much money, how many followers, and how many likes. And we're in this battle because we live in this world that is completely the antithesis of the kingdom of heaven. Because here's what happens. Mary goes, I'm going to get identified by him. Martha goes, my primary source of identity is what I do for him. And I want to say it to everybody here. We need all the servants, all the ushers, all the help. But if you get your primary source of identity in what you do for Jesus or what you do for the church... You'll put on a happy, clappy face for a season. Say, praise the Lord. It's all for Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But let's say you don't get noticed for five years. And then let's say that you get used in that place. And then someone who came in after you gets elevated above you. All of a sudden then, it's praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. It's all for Jesus. (laughs) No. No. That's when bitterness gets in. That's when offense gets in. I see it happen like clockwork. And we'll never say, we'll put in our five years of under Jesus until we get looked over, passed over, passed by, and other people elevated over us, and we never feel appreciated. Because, friends, I'm here to tell you that's call of Jesus. You may not feel appreciated, but you better have that reward within. Wives, some of you don't feel appreciated at home. You better get it in here. Man, you may not feel it. You better get it in here. That's, you've got to get identified by the voice of God. I don't know if you're hearing me this morning. Martha was so busy for Jesus, she got upset after a while and saying, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? Don't you see? Don't you value me? And Jesus goes, honey, I love you so much, but you are worried and troubled about many things. He says, but one thing is needed. And I want to say that to Thrive Church today. There is one thing that is needed. What does that mean? That's not practical. There's lots of things needed. No. He says, if you get this one thing right in your life, it will set a trajectory for 10 other things in your life to align. But if you get this one thing wrong, it will set a completely different trajectory, and you may not know it for 10 years. Friends, we need intimacy at the feet of Jesus. Oh, you want to get filled with this word. Because we're moving, guys, we're never going back to life as normal. You're like, man, I just can't wait to get back to life. No, no, 2020 was a threshold, I believe, in the prophetic timeline that's going to culminate with the return of Jesus. I believe that we're in the birth canal of the, of the generation of the coming of the Lord. This ain't business as usual, and I just got to get through another week. No, the greatest and most glorious and most terrifying hour of human history is coming upon the planet. 
And this is not an hour to be running around like chickens with our heads cut off. We need to find ourselves with long and loving devotion, meditation, and intimacy at the feet of Jesus, growing deeper than happy, clappy, little kiddie pool Christianity. We need a breakthrough into a real life in God. You're not going to get that at a McDonald's drive-thru. You're not going to get that by an impartation service. It's going to be long hours, weeks, months, years, decades at the feet of Jesus. You better fall in love with his feet. You better fall in love with his feet and don't let anything talk you out of that place. Let 6 a.m. become your new friend. Let 6 a.m. before life begins or maybe 10 p.m. after life is settled. Find that time. Maybe it's your, I mean, y'all got a lot of time to commute around here. Y'all can just ask the Lord, say, turn my car into a holy prayer room. Turn my car into a holy prayer room. I'm going to go up. I'm going to ascend to the throne. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to worship God in this car. I'm going to turn off politics and sports for a season, and I'm going to go after God. Uh, that's what we need in this hour. And friends, it's not a, well, if I get around to it, you'll never get around to it. There'll never be a better season than right now. Because wh Why, Corey? Because I'm here to tell you that if you don't, Learn how to come out of the God of busyness, worry, and anxiety when there's a 2.0 on the treadmill. Friends, when real crisis comes to your life, you're going to absolutely get destroyed by it if you don't have a real root system in God. When things don't go like you planned, when the marriage doesn't look like what you planned, when the kids you raised in the church goes and acts stupid for some years, What do you do then when it doesn't look like what you envisioned for your 40-year plan? Because I promise you there are curveballs. There are storylines you never saw coming. And if it's all based about Jesus just making you happy and making life more comfortable, and you buy into that gospel, you ain't got a real system in God to navigate life's pressures. This isn't a nice, if you get around to it, it's absolutely mandatory for the church in this hour. Look with me in John 11. John 11. All right? Y'all like, no, he's going to put it on the screen in a second. I hear you. I get it. We're grateful for the screen guy back there. <laughs> I didn't see nobody moving. You're like, no. I, ain't. I go, everybody turn with me. And we used to say, turn in your Bibles. Now we're just, no, just waiting. <laughs> I get it. I do it too. But bless him on your way out, man. So into that guy's ministry. Come on, somebody. All right, John 11. Are we in New King James yet? No. Is it? All right, I don't think so. All right. John 11, verse 1. Now we're about to meet Mary's older brother, Lazarus. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. I love this. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with, his, uh, with the fragrant oil and wiped his feet. She's always at his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So they send a letter to Jesus, and they go, hey, he whom you love is sick. Okay, he's in bad shape. He's not doing well. Well, Jesus is going to make one of the most clear 
faith-filled statements you'll see of Jesus in the whole Word of God. He goes, this sickness is not unto death. Go ahead and keep rolling with me. This sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God. I mean, that's an awesome statement. Jesus goes, guys, don't worry. This thing is not going to end in death. He didn't say he wouldn't die. He just said it's not going to end in death. And Jesus, it says in, in, in John 11 that he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So we would think that love, the very next verse would be, he would translate to Bethany, lay his hands on Lazarus. Lazarus would get up, and they'd have a dance party. That would be what love looks like, right? Doesn't love always immediately fix problems? Doesn't love immediately touch it? Jesus had immediately touched sinners, had immediately healed blind people, had healed strangers, had healed sinners, but now we got people that Jesus loves. And the Bible says he gets them and he loved them, so the Bible says he waited two more days. Huh. He waited two more days where he was at, knowing that the two days of waiting would mean Lazarus would die. That takes you in something deeper. That what does love look like for love to wait two more days for the dearest and deepest thing to die? Have you ever been there, friend, where you've cried out to God for a breakthrough, whether in a relationship or in a circumstance or in a financial situation, and you've cried out to God, you know you're loved by God, but he didn't move on the timetable you thought. And it didn't look like what you thought, and the disillusionment that comes when Jesus isn't moving on your timetable. And how to navigate this. Are y'all with me this morning? Maybe I'm not talking to anybody that's walked through anything yet. What do you do? What do you do and happens when it doesn't look like, and in some situations, the thing dies? The marriage dies. The, the finances die. The thing dies. And this was the dearest thing of your heart. Now, some of you have already crossed through this, and your heart shut down. And you're like, I can't even dream again. I, don't even, I'm gonna, I love you, God, but God, I can't bear my heart like I did in that season because of the pain of what happened when it didn't look like what I thought. I believe God wants to dig up the wells of that heart, break up that ground again, and get you dreaming again. All right, Jesus waits, and he shows up four days late. Everybody say four days late. All right, you know, brother, some of y'all go, no, he wasn't four days late. It's sovereign time, and it's all God's time. No, he's late. He's late. Dude's in the grave. He's late. I love this. And now we're about to get a snapshot of how two, two different people respond when Jesus is late. When it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like. What happens? I love this. In John 11, Jesus now shows up to the edge of Bethany. He shows up to the edge of Bethany, and it says now, as soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she ran out to meet him. But the Bible says Mary was still sitting in the house. Mary's always sitting, always chilling. Like, what's up with this girl? She sits in all three stories. I picture it like this. Mary's sitting, just, I'm waiting on Jesus. 
And Mar- Martha's in there. I know he got the letter. <laughs> Why didn't he get here? Why are we in this situation? Why is my brother dead? Why are we going through this? I poured out my heart to God, and he didn't answer me. Why am I in this situation? Why am I? And she's just pacing, pacing, pacing. She didn't learn how to set in the first season so that when real crisis came, all she had was her anxiety. And if you don't learn how to set in the first season, when real pressure comes, all you got is your anxiety. As soon as she runs out to Jesus, stares him right in the face, and she's going to say a phrase, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. I believe it's an accusatory statement. She was angry at Jesus. She was frustrated with Jesus. She goes, how could you do this to us? She's going to make an accusatory statement, but then she's going to back it up with happy, clappy Christianese. She goes, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. I can just hear an organ in the background. The organ comes in, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus, stone cold, looks her right in the face. Your brother will rise again. And then the organ starts back up. I know he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Hallelujah. She has right theology. She has right answers to all the pop quizzes of following Jesus. But it ain't doing nothing. Now hear me, somebody. When someone says they know, they don't know. And there are seasons in your life, it's not about your right theological answer. It's about tension of faith that says, I know who you are, but I don't know why you didn't resolve this situation. That's what faith looks like. Faith is ugly, it's dirty, it's mystery, and it's pressure, and it's where a new prayer is born called the prayer of faith that breaks through all the peripheral All the right answers and say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I ain't going anywhere. I ain't going anywhere. Who knows about that kind of praying? These three. She goes, I believe he'll rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Some of y'all just hiding behind your Bible verses. Your little T-shirts and bumper stickers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You just get busier at work. Hallelujah. You get to the golf course more. Hallelujah. More Netflix binging. Hallelujah. More drinking. Hallelujah. More medicating and anesthetizing the pain of God, where are you? God, where are you? That's the stuff that moves God. He ain't in this little Pollyannish, everything's pretty in the church. Jesus is raw. Jesus is real. Jesus goes, quit saying resurrection just someday. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Don't just reserve resurrection for someday. Resurrection's here. And I want you to pull resurrection into the story instead of hiding behind your little Bible verses. 
He goes, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, I believe you're the Christ, the Son of God. Good answer. Got nowhere. Martha hit a wall called, we're talking two different languages because I didn't learn his speech in Luke 10. She runs back to the city. And the Bible says she secretly called Mary. And she says, the teacher's coming, is calling for you. Now, we don't see the scripture tell us that Jesus was asking for her. I think she hit a wall and she goes, I'm past my pay grade here. Mary's learned something about Jesus I need to learn. And she goes, he needs you. Mary's going to run out to the exact same place Martha was at, but she's not going to stand and say it. She's going to be at his feet and say it with tears in her eyes. Do you know you can say the same prayer but from two different places and provoke two different responses in God? It's not about having the right formula. It's not about a formula of prayers. If you say this exact prayer, no, it's from here. Will you pray from here or are you going to pray from here? She's going to fall at his feet and say, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died weeping. It says that when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who were with her weeping, the Bible says he groaned in the spirit. What does it look like to awaken a groan in God? What did John write when he saw, what was Jesus doing when he groaned? What does a groan sound like? No, it's audible. It's deep. It's guttural. It's the deep bowels of the compassion of God. The deep zeal to eradicate death, to eradicate sin. The deep bowels of God. And whatever she just did awakened a groan in God. And now he says, where have you laid him? The Bible says they said, come and see. And then we see the longest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. I believe it was around 30 minutes. 30 minutes of the Son of God, the one through whom the heavens were made, heaving, sobbing, weeping, groaning. Think about who really gets to see the ugliest side of your crying. How many people get access to that room in you? One. Maybe two, but the Son of God comes into the earth, and that's why he couldn't translate. We knew what he was going to do from the beginning. Why didn't he just translate to the resurrection of Lazarus? Because he had to meet his friends in the valley. And he was going to let the story play out, meet them in the valley, weep with them into bringing forth resurrection. And a lot of us just want to get through the weeping season. And he goes, no, you don't understand. Tears are the seedbed to resurrection. Jesus wept. The Son of God wept. What does it speak about the vulnerability of God? Some of you stopped being vulnerable 20 years ago. Some of you just begin to say, okay, this is how the world works. Smiles, transactions, cutting off, checking off boxes, but we're going to keep my heart at a distance. We learned that a long time ago. You don't go there, but the God came in the flesh and wept to break through the facades, to break through the peripheral, to break through us guarding, 
to break through the religiosity and to bring us off our islands of fear, off our islands of shame, off our islands of guilt, and bring us into intimacy with the vulnerable God. <laughs> Muhammad doesn't weep. Buddha doesn't weep. Herr Krishna doesn't weep. God wept. Came and gets into your ugly. Comes and shares with you in it. Under lifting you out of it. Well, we know what happens. He weeps. And then that lion begins to dry his tears and begins to climb up the hill. And still groaning in his spirit, he tells them, move the stone. And now we get to see faith-filled Martha. Now, Jesus, let's get practical. He stinks. Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? He goes, you don't believe me. It's all a bunch of nice talk with little reality. Move the stone. Father, I thank you that you hear me. You always hear me. And when he had said this, he cried with a loud voice and said, Lazarus, come forth. And a man who had been in a tomb for four days walks out completely wrapped in linen garments. A man dead for four days walks out of a grave. I'll tell you what I believe happened. Mary had sat at his feet and let his words go to her deep. That in the hour of her crisis, her deep called out to his deep, and she pulled a resurrection out of him. I want you to know something. Hear me. Do you know your prayers move God? And to the degree that you've gone, you've broken out of religiosity into real praying, I believe those prayers move God. I don't know if you believe that. When you go through a situation like that, you become dangerous. You become fearless. You stop hoarding and holding on to your little piggy banks and something breaks on the inside of you. Something breaks of control. Something breaks of fear and fear of death and you just get dangerous and you don't care no more. It's all about Jesus. The next time we see Mary of Bethany, it will be two days before Jesus dies. He goes out to Bethany to have a meal with Lazarus, another guy, and they're all sitting at the table, and all eyes are on them, and then she breaks into the room with a very costly oil of spikenard, a jar of spikenard oil, which most scholars agree is an inheritance. It's a year's wages, which is around 30 or 40 grand. Some scholars say this was her inheritance from her parents. She breaks into the room, breaks the flask, and begins to pour it all over Jesus' head and over his feet. As soon as she did it, everybody started screaming. The disciples started criticizing her, saying, what a waste. So foolish. You're not balanced. Got to be balanced. Got to fit Jesus into a balanced well whole life. When you touch the things she's touched and broken through that, there is no balance. Balance is overrated. (laughs) 
She breaks in, everybody criticizing her, and then Jesus speaks. He says, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a good work for me. He says, you're talking about the poor? You got the poor with you always. You don't always have me. He says, she's done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Do you know none of those disciples could get it through their thick skulls? Jesus was going to die. She not only got it, he was going to die. She prepared him for it. And she knew death is not the end of a story. When you see resurrection touch your life, you understand death is not the end. And then Jesus gives one of the greatest statements in the Word of God. He says, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial to her. Which means this, Peter, James, and John, when you bring the gospel to the four corners of the earth, after you present the story, tell them this story. Because this is what a life looks like that's been impacted by the gospel. They give it all. You know what that speaks of? No more fear of death. No more control. No more hoarding and holding on to the little bits. It's a liberated heart to fully love Jesus. Let's stand. Some of you, all three of these seasons hit you. Some of you are like, dude, I am drowning in distraction. Drowning in anxiety, worry, and trouble. Busyness is killing my soul. And I want to get back to the simplicity of devotion at sitting at the feet of Jesus. Others of you are in the middle of your John 11 season. You're in the divine delay, and God, there are things that have died. And in some way, and I feel it in here. A lot of you, just you, I think some of y'all just shut your heart off a while ago. Some of you quit dreaming a while ago. And I just want to say, that's not a way to live. It's, it's not the way to walk this Christian life out. It's not transactional. He's a person. It's not checking off a box and let's get on with life. He wants the deep and the ugly. He can handle it. That's why he came and he wept with us to say, if I can get vulnerable, you can get vulnerable. If I can open up my heart, you can open up yours. I believe God wants to, God's releasing the gift of tears to the church in this hour. It's the ability to express. It's liquid prayer. There's coming a tenderizing to the church. We've gotten hard over the last three to four years. Church has gotten strong opinions with dry eyes. God wants to restore tears to the church, a tenderizing, a molding, a, a movable soil of our hearts. Here, just open up your hands. I want to pray for you. Some of you, this message is the word for today for you. I imagine it blesses everybody. 
some of you are like, I didn't, wasn't going to make it if I didn't hear this message. Or it's dialing up some stuff you shut the door to a season ago. If this is speaking to you at that level, I want to invite you up here. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.